G'day, everybody. It's 24 hours late due to some late work commitments for me on Wednesday night, but it's time for the LJ and Redders AFL podcast. Sports journalist with the Wimmera Mail in Horsham in Victoria, Lucas James Holmes, resplendent in his Denver Broncos shirt this evening. Hello, Louis. How are you, my brother? Good evening, David. Evening. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, and we're what less, technically less than a week into the season, and there's already a little bit of controversy, and there's already been a tribunal hearing, David, so uh, plenty to get to. Yeah, and a North Melbourne player who uh, is in quite a bit of strife at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, Going to handle that one extremely carefully, Lucas and I. First of all, um, tonight's agenda uh, is provided by Lucas Holmes. We're going to talk about the McAdam Tribunal, which is actually on as we're recording. It's Thursday night. Yeah, there's a tribunal on right now. It started at 6pm, Lucas. Okay. I have been doing my homework, sir. Um, right. Pickett and Franklin getting banned. Um and this, um, Lucas got a lot to say. There are injuries to Stuart Howe, Lob, Wingard, Bytel, Webster, and uh, a next gear for Jones. Round review and preview of round two. Um, Louis, we won't. We'll go. We'll go with your agenda. The McAdam Tribunal is on as we speak. Um, yeah, look, it was a pretty harsh bump. I suppose this opens up a whole thing with point one and two can sort of segue in on one another. Lucas, you played a lot of football in your time, especially you've grown up playing it as, as a junior and playing yourself. Are we getting to the stage, to quote Simon Goodwin, and this is from Lucas Holmes's quote, our game is about tackling. There is no need to bump. I think it is dead. Yeah. Lucas, Talk to us about the ban because I've got McAdam, Pick, Pickett and Franklin in quite a bit of trouble. Yeah, I think it's heading that way um, to answer it quickly, David. I think, yes, there's still physicality in the game, but you, you see it now quite often. It's not a bump as such, but you sort of see two players that are going side by side to the ball, trying to get their head over the ball to try and get the ball off the ground. I think that's where it's heading at the moment. Yes, you're, you're traditionalists and that want to see the bump. We've seen it outlawed in rugby league in recent years. We've, we spoke about it last week. We've seen we've seen the huge uh, lawsuits and things like that when it comes to the NFL and things like that. So, um, and we saw Jonathan Brown actually come out and, and chat about screws and things like that in, in his head in the last couple of days. So uh, I think it's definitely heading that way, David, in short. Uh, I agree. Um, as someone that I didn't give him out, but I, I copped a few pretty good ones in my time and, Luckily, I was smart enough, being tall enough to avoid getting coat hanging in the head. Um, concussion is now, we spoke about this last week, so I won't belabor the issue. But if all the major codes in the world, football codes, contact football codes, are worried about head injuries, then this is the way the game's going, I'm afraid. You're going to get into a stage where the game will be slightly less physical because it will prolong the longevity. There was a fascinating article in the Herald this week. There's a guy who I had in one of my Western Zone cricket sides. His name is Wayne Sellers. And I think this, brother, he's, this guy's his brother. His name's David Sellers. And he plays football for Oberon in Group 10, Lucas, in an area, part of the world you're very familiar with. I'm talking rugby league, everybody. And there was an article that David Sellers wrote. And he's having issues um, with, with injuries and loss of memory. And he reckons he's had 30 to 40 concussions in his rugby league career, he's 30, and he's still playing. And I, that worries me greatly that David Sellers is still playing. Um, and when you come from O'Brien, everybody has a rugby league ball pretty much from birth. It's a rugby league town. They love their football, and everybody plays football for the O'Brien Tigers. Um, it is a concern. 
And it'll be fascinating to progress the chart of class actions, which I'm not permitted to co to comment on, other than the fact that they're happening. But Pickett and Franklin got Pickett didn't miss just quietly. That was brutal. That was ab well, I will I will give an opinion on that. I thought that was a brutal hit, and I thought I support the AFL, which I think I'm allowed to do in in and the match and the and the, the the system in in banning him. Um, but I think. By and large, that the younger players are going to be taught to go and tackle and not bump. That's the way it's yeah. going to be, I reckon. Yeah, I think so too, David. And just to echo your point there, Pickett's uh, bump was uh, graded uh, careless conduct, high impact, and high contact, which led to his two game ban. And I, I tend to agree with you there too. Um, Franklin's was bad, but it was more a glancing blow, I think. Um, Pickett's. And to your point there, McAdams were more front on. Um, McAdam left his feet slightly. I think Pickett's was quite bad too. So two games. It's interesting too when it furthers the point. You've got three instances there of the same action and they all accrue. Yes, there's different grades, but they accrue three, three different um, lengths of band. So it's an interesting one there. And it's definitely not the last time we'll be having this discussion throughout the season. I'm convinced of that already. Well, the NRLs come out with a couple of significant bands, in particular Kafusi from the Dolphins, they get and Jacob Saifidi from your old part of the world, Lucas. They've got five and four weeks for very similar hits. So, yes, I think this is a watch this space, but I do think now that elite coaches, so if Lucas Holmes goes back and he's playing for Warners Bay when he's nine and ten years old, they're going to be teaching you to tackle and they're not going to teach you to bump. Basically, a shepherd will end up being putting your arms out and making, letting a person run into, running, run into you. That's about all it can be. Yeah, it's, about, it's, it's almost your, uh, your, your modern-day quarterback sack in the NFL. Almost, not, not quite two-hand touch, but it's, it's heading that way. It certainly is. Lucas, some injuries. Um, Nate, the names of the players that we're, we're going to that Lucas will talk about here: uh, Stuart Howe, Lobb, who's had an injury play career; Wingard, Bytel, Webster, and uh, Jones, who had a neck scare. Stuart, I believe, a Louis, and luckily for him, is an MCL four weeks, which, in the scheme of things, is the best news that Geelong could have hoped for. Yeah, it, it doesn't get much better yeah, uh, for Geelong in terms of Stuart's injuries. You said their MCL. Yeah, about about a month, which is uh, which is on the positive end, one of their better players. And again, it all comes down to that MCG turf, doesn't it? Obviously, they had oh. those uh, Ed, Ed Sheeran concerts. Um, what a couple of weeks out from the season, and Sam Doherty came out uh, saying he was hesitant. He he potentially mulled that he wasn't going to play, and some people have uh, have come right at Sam Doherty. But when you actually look at his history. He's had two ACL injuries, David, that has kept him out the last couple of years. So I do not begrudge uh, Sam Doherty at all making that comment because that's exactly how it would have played out in his mind. I'm sure of that. But yeah, Stuart, uh, back to him. Uh, yeah, MCL, about that month, I think uh, Geelong will be extra cautious on that point of view as well. You don't want that uh, flaring up any more than, there, or, than it could do when being the first round of the season, you'd expect them to uh, play it that way. When you speak to footballers, most of them will tell you that the best surface of any ground in the Australian Football League is actually the Adelaide Oval, which, as you know, Lucas, has got now got a drop-in pitch after the redevelopment a few years ago. Um, I think Ed made a really interesting uh, call on, on his show earlier in the week when he said the MCG is a multi-purpose stadium. And uh, I actually tend to agree with him. 
it's not just used for football and cricket. And of course, the MCG is not AFL owned. It's owned by the Melbourne Cricket Club and they're entitled to do whatever they please. Um, and apparently the Ed Sheeran concerts were world class. Now, yeah. And that's that's what it's for. Um, he made another interesting comment in that it should have a roof. Um, that that's a really interesting one. A bit perhaps like Miami's with a translucent roof. I don't know. No matter what you do with a roof, it c- creates further issues. There is no football ground in the world. Probably Docklands is one of the best. But when you have uh, opening stadiums, they'll tell you it's not about managing the grass living. It's about managing the dark grass dying. When they first doing it, a few of the first places were the Amsterdam Arena was one of them. Docklands, NRG Stadium in Houston has a retractable roof at a grass stadium. Um, the State Farm Stadium in Glendale in Arizona is a bit different because it's, and so is Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas because they've got football, they've got their football playing services on trolleys and they can roll them in and out because most of the time they're out, they're actually outdoors getting the sun. But you've got all these things happening. And it took a long time to get the Dockland surface right. It was never, ever a good surface. And now it's become one. And, of course, Docklands has got a concrete car park underneath it as well. But they have got it right. I don't think a roof at the MCG is overly practical. I also will tell you that it would cost hundreds of millions. Yeah. and um... It's been a while since I've had an upgrade. Um, at the MCG was it 2000 and around the, around the turn of the century, wasn't it? Since no, it was, for, it was for the Commonwealth Games in 2006. Okay. And there, um, Ed was also saying, uh, when I mean Ed, I mean Eddie McGuire, ladies and gentlemen, who's still got a very powerful voice in the press. He doesn't have to be the Collingwood president to have a powerful voice. I would suggest you use one of the most powerful 10 people in all of football. And I defy anybody to tell me otherwise, even now, and not as Collingwood president. Um, but uh, the Great Southern Stand, the Shane, uh, correction, the Shane Warne Stand is actually the next to be re, uh, rebuilt. So what's this space for the MCG? I'll tell you what, if they lose the Great Southern Stand, there'll be enormous impetus to have a grand final at the Adelaide Oval. I would suggest and, you. And being in the middle of both, I could quite easily do either one. Well, so. there's a, there'll be another push from whichever whoever's Premier in New South Wales to have it at Stadium Australia as well because it holds a lot more. You're shaking your head. Just hang on a second. It holds more people than all of the others and they, they avoided it previously. Yes, they played grand finals at the Gabba and a magnificent grand final Optus. I thought the Western Australians did a superb job. For yeah. me, the logical place from a football perspective would be the Adelaide Oval with a rampant crowd. Don't discount Stadium Australia purely because, yeah, I get I, Lucas is pulling a face. I get it, Lucas. I get it. The Adelaide Oval for me is the logical step. I, I agree with you there. I've just been to some football in um, at Stadium Australia, what's now called the core technically. Um, but just with the, the way it's shaped and viewing-wise, I don't think, yes, I agree. It, it would be a money thing. And there's about 80,000 people you can fill. Uh, 83,000 83, yeah. paying a couple of hundred dollars a ticket. Um, yeah, that it is. It becomes a fiscal question. The AFL can do what it likes. Um, again, it would be a very, very interesting question should the Great Southern Stand get knocked down because then they can trigger clauses. They're having the gather round in South Australia. As you know, not all of those games are at Adelaide Oval. There's a game... There's one or two games at Norwood and one or two others. I think it's called the parade at Norwood, home of uh, the Norwood Redlegs, including that the guy for Gary McIntosh. So we'll have to, we will talk about that at length. We'll have a special podcast on that because that will be amazing an event. Lucas, are you thinking about going to Gather Round? 
I don't think it'll line up for me because that's actually the first full weekend of football down here. So I don't and, think that'll and, work out. Oh, I guess you've got football. You've got yeah, and it is your, all of your footy in both leagues is Saturday footy, isn't it? For the most part, yes. For the most part, okay, fair yeah. enough. Now, not not trying to put you on the spot. I it, I think it's a wonderful. Um, I really of all the things they've done. You've got Man Grook, you've got the dream time, but Gather Round is massive and particularly played in, in a football mad state like South Australia makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, no, it does too. And going back, uh, back to, to injuries, we, I suppose. Yeah, back, sorry. Back to well, this is our podcast. We can, you're a journo. <laughs> we love our football. We, we've been t- doing this for a while. We can talk about whatever you like. Back to injuries. Jeremy Howe's next. Yeah, it's a big one, um, D- David, and it, and it throws the whole structure of the Collingwood Football Club's backline uh, in Australia a little bit. They've actually just announced in the last couple of hours that former Port and Adelaide uh, utility Billy Frampton will debut in a game against Port on Saturday early that early time slot on Saturday afternoon. So Fr- um, Frampton will slot in. But you, going back to the Howe injury itself, you know you know how serious it was when the. Uh, Television broadcasters didn't show any uh, replays. David awkwardly fell in a marking contest, compound fracture of the forearm, and I don't think we'll be seeing uh, Jeremy Howe till at least the back half of the season, you would think. Rory Lobb? Yeah, Lobb as well. And as you said there, David, a, a, a documented uh, history of injuries uh, for Rory Lobb as well. So the uh, Western Bulldogs utility, he's played some ruck, he's played some forward. He's undergone uh, minor ankle surgery as well. So Lobby won't see for a little while, and it's not what you think. Uh, the Western Bulldogs were, were vastly outplayed in, the, in that second half against Melbourne, and it'll mean now that Tim English will have a lot more uh, work on his plate than, it, than he has originally. And it exposes them slightly. Teams will have a crack at them because of it. Chad Wingard? Yeah, another mercurial player who's had issues uh, with injury since he crossed, crossed from Port Adelaide to Hawthorne those number of years ago now. But uh, Wingard has a uh, minor calf strain. And, and you, again, first round of the season, one of Hawthorne's now more experienced uh, mercurial players. I think they'll take it fairly easily for him. And it'll be that sort of two, three, potentially four-week span that you won't see Chad Wingard for, you would think. Being an Indigenous man and being from South Australia, he'll want to get himself right for gather round. He'll do anything he can, I would imagine. And with Hawthorne, not make, no chance of making the finals. Uh, you wonder whether he'd risk it. Um, now, I'm not. I'm sorry. Pardon my ignorance, everybody. I don't know uh, much about the Bytel and Webster injury. So, Lucas, please go give us some news. Yeah, I have that. I've got that in front of me, David, and. Uh... Uh, Jimmy Webster, a break to a metacarpal in his right hand. So he'll spend a week or two um, away from play. And then Bytel had a cut uh, to his knee as well. And he originally returned to the field and was then subsequently sent to hospital. So uh, Bytel and Webster will miss the next couple of weeks. And just just in a matter of the James Webster that you and I have had the great privilege of calling, he's back playing football for Terrigal of Oakra in season 2023, which changes the balance slightly. Um, <laughs> with with Tim Oosterhoff going to the Coolerman Rover the, to the Coolerman Grasshoppers, and yeah. uh, Jimmy Webster going back to Terrigal of Oakra, I would suggest that Jimmy Webster's still got a lot of football left in him, although he has had some injuries. Uh, I think that changes the balance a little bit in the AFLHSC. Watch this space of that one. And the next gear, the next gear for our friend, Mr. Jones. Yeah, Liam Jones, who, of course, was a Carlton for those number of years after being originally drafted by the Western Bulldogs and then 
uh, sat, well, was forced to sit out the last couple of years with um, COVID protocols. He's been cleared of any structural damage to his neck, um, David, after in that first game back with the Western Bulldogs. So uh, an awkward situation. He was subbed out of the 50-point uh, loss to Melbourne on the weekend, but he had scans on Sunday morning and it leaves, leaves him open to potentially facing St Kilda on Saturday night. So some positive news there for the key defender for the Western Bulldogs, Liam Jones. And apologies for, if you can hear that in the sound line, there, is a, there are thunderstorms running through the central coast, which may or may not have an effect on the Newcastle cricket, uh, NDCA great, and, and suburban districts finals over, uh, over this coming weekend. We've had storms on the central coast all afternoon. Newcastle's been okay, uh, but there's the second storm coming through here. And if you can hear quite heavy rain in the background, I do apologise. There's not much I can do about it. Speaking to my parents on the phone prior to um, being on this call with you, David, and uh, per the bomb or whatever they like to be called now from what they've had in the last couple of months, that Redhead uh, by the app have had 34 and a half mils of rain since 9am this morning. So, And that, um, luckily the covers are on at number one, but yes, we're, we're facing the opportunities. Of course, if it goes to a second weekend, Mr. Redden will be now calling round one of AFL Sydney on the following Saturday, albeit Cambridge Oval for the unfurling. Lucas, of the women, the East Coast Eagles women's flag, a, moment, flag, a momentous occasion for the East Coast Eagles football club in just over a week's time. It'll be a fabulous day for them all out there at Kellyville. Yeah, it'll be big for them. It um, doesn't get much bigger in AFL Sydney Premier Division women's football than uh, East Coast and Manly. And uh, a couple of recruits at Manly have got in their men's side as well, by the sounds of it. So it'll be a good afternoon there at Cambridge. <laughs> I think so. It'll be a cracking day. And of course, Lucas's first game of football um, in both leagues would be something like uh, Saturday, April 15. Is that right in both leagues? It's the, Is it the Wimmera League and the Horsham League? Is that what it's called? Wimmera football netball and Horsham district football and netball. So Wimmera have a rat and stall sort of your local Good rivalry Friday. on Good Friday. So looking forward to that one. Will you be heading down to watch? Will you be reporting on that game? Is that an arrow at a store or store, Lucas? Uh, in store, I believe. So could potentially heading uh, an hour or so down the uh, highway to get to that game. But either way, it'll be uh, great to get local football on the uh, on the go for season 2023, David at one of the most f famous country sports ground in all of Australia, Central Park and Stall, home in of the Stall gift. In fact, it won't be Stall, it'll be Ararat because the gift will be that weekend. Oh, exactly. Well, so, yes, well, good spot there. So that game will be in Ararat. Um, Lucas, of course, will get the opportunity to Central Park, all of us in particular, those of us that have loved watching the Stall gift over many, many years, Lucas will have the chance of reporting on games there. And Lucas, that is a, such a thrill to be in that part of the world. The Stall gift still means a lot. Yeah, looking forward to it, David. I know we'll have a couple there on the day, but um, looking forward to getting local footy up and running as well as you'll be in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, there'll be a smile coming across the face in a minute when I read these scores out. Back to round one. Hawthorne and Carlton, 58 all. In what actually was an attritional dual game of football and Carlton got pogoed in the press for not holding on. Geelong and Collingwood was a superb game of football, proper football. They attacked and ran and ran. And somehow Collingwood got themselves from behind, kept Geelong goalless in the last quarter and won by 22 points. That is a superb victory for the Collingwood Football Club. I mightn't like it much, but you've got to talk honest football there. That was brilliant. We both tipped North Melbourne just over the Eagles. That's exactly what happened. First win of the season for Alistair Clarkson in his new role by five points, 
this is the game I think surprised everyone. Not necessarily that Port beat Brisbane. They belted them 126 to 72, 54 points. And the Brisbane Lions have been under the pump this week. A fiery press conference today with Chris Fagan that I saw. And a terrific start for Port Adelaide. Melbourne, for mine, showed where they're at. They beat the Bulldogs by 50 points. And the Bulldogs may get in the eight. You never know. We both tipped the Swans over the Suns and they trounced them by 49 points at what's now called Heritage Bank Stadium. It used to be Metricon. Here's the one that pleasantly surprised me. In awful 35-degree weather at Sydney Olympic Park, Toby Green was quoted at the end of the game saying that was the hardest game of football he'd ever played. And I'm telling you, I was at Newcastle number one sports ground on, on Sunday for cricket. And as Lucas will attest, that ground gets a sea breeze and it was hot there. Sydney Olympic Park, ladies and gentlemen, gets nothing like a sea breeze. And the Giants won 106 to 90 in a superb performance. Toby Green, four goals, four in his first game as captain. Essendon and Hawthorne, we both picked Essendon, but not by that much. They belted them 124 to 65. And then St Kilda, again, no surprise with the scores here. A low-scoring game in St Kilda beat Freo 67-52 at Marble Stadium. Uh, a very good defensive performance, and that may be a precursor for what's going to happen in, in black, red and white. Louis, um, look, well, I suppose to have a look at the highlights for you before we have a look at round two. I suppose, first of all, you must have been ext- extremely proud of such a convincing performance by your Collingwood over Geelong in front of a massive crowd at the MCG on Friday night on St. Patrick's Day. I was. I'm going to quickly go to the uh, night previous, the season opener, and that Tom Lynch goal with 19 uh, seconds remaining. Uh, Sewed up a draw in the end for Richmond, but you're right, David. Uh, Either way this game went in the end, it was a a fantastic game of football. Quite the contrast to the night before. Open, free-flowing physical as well. There's some run on the outside. I thought Isaac Smith was superb for Geelong, uh, roaming a far wing as he so often does. But I thought Geelong's best player in the end ultimately was Asava Radagalia. We had this conversation last week, David, about where he could play. Um, Reece Stanley rocked, but Radagalia in a in a new position for him at full back. I, I, I thought he was outstanding. I think Stay only kicked the one goal in the end. So kept him fairly quiet for the, for the evening. But as you said there, a great game of football in the end. Collingwood doing without Jeremy Howe for the back half of that game. Bobby Hill was electric in the front half, David. Three goals. Tom Stewart added two goals to his eight or nine clearances as well. But Jordan Dugowie for me, David, 25 disposals, three goals, 11 score involvements was one of his better games of his career. And he's particularly in this this last little while, particularly in, in the back half of 2022 and now round one of 23, um, I think Collingwood are glad that you signed that contract extension not so long ago. Yes, and I and we'll go about to this briefly at the end if we've got time. I'm uh, extremely confident that um, Jordan Degoe got uh, votes in the ESPN unofficial Brownlow Medal predictor. Um, I think you'll find he may have even got three, but I'll I'll bring that up shortly. Um, yeah, it I, seems I to. Sorry, David, you go. I know he topped the. I know he topped the um, coach. The uh, he got all ten. A perfect 10 um, votes in the Coaches Association awards for that game. I know that for a fact. Yeah, well, interestingly, Cosie Pickett also got votes in, uh, and, he, and, he, and he tried to take a bloke's head off. So it's going to be very interesting, but if, um, I'll come up with that later on if we've got time. Um, 
what else have we got to talk about that was of hot? Look, Port Adelaide and Brisbane, we have to talk about that. I don't think anybody in football, perhaps other than those people at Alberton, thought that Port could win by 50 over Brisbane. That's a massive statement and will ease some pressure on Ken Hinckley, I can, I can tell you as well. It will, David. We had this discussion, if not last week, the week before, about Brisbane um, getting to a preliminary final. But it was anything bar that against Port Adelaide, and they were just superb out of the middle, as they so often are. Um, Port Adelaide, Ollie Wines, 29 disposals, uh, six clearances for him. Darcy Byrne-Jones had 27, and it's and Jason Horn-Francis in his first game in uh, uh, Teal and Black, he was superb as well. One goal, one, 25 disposals, three tackles, and seven clearances. So um, a big work for him, but it's really going to be... The, it's. It's the youth that have got really excited for Port Adelaide. You've got Rosie in there. You've got Zach Butters in there. You've got Horn Francis now as well. They've got some really young talent there. And um, uh, Port Adelaide, it's going to be an exciting game this weekend as well for them. Oh, I reckon Jason Horn Francis has a lot to prove. Oh, I would, I really do. Yes, he might have been happy in North Melbourne and he's a young bloke, but I think he could have handled himself better and... I genuinely hope he plays good football. I genuinely do. But I do think he's got a lot to prove. If he plays like that for the rest of the season, God help us all. Um, yeah, look, the Swans were professional. Franklin's rubbed that for a week. That doesn't help them. The Giants have got to go to Perth this week with the possibility of being 2-0 and uh, in playing in a, in a sauna in Western Sydney. Uh, it'd be... That was phenomenal. Uh, sorry again, David, but I watched the majority of that game. I think the Giants were down to, in the end, one player on the bench for at, le- at least the last quarter and a bit. And as you said there, in the sweltering heat, Adelaide started the game on fire. Pardon the little bit of a pun there. That was not, I'm not that quick, but um, Adelaide started that first half. They were phenomenal. Isaac Rankin was left alone at stoppages inside the Ford 50. Why you would, why you would do that, I don't know. He looked good. Uh, Rory Laird as well. Um, Jordan Dawson out of the back half, but in the end, Cornelio, you said green there, four goals, four, and um, they they ultimately just ran over the top in the end, as you said there, with with one player left on the bench. It was an outstanding effort there for the Giants in the end. And if Fremantle look, struggle at the end of the season, their games like this, they should be beating St Kilda with their list. St Kilda put the defensive now, and the St Kilda fans will be thinking, okay, might have seen this before. And if I was a St Kilda fan, I'd be saying that's a good start because look at the defensive performance. They've kept a pretty talented Fremantle side down to seven goals, 10 in in, in good weather at Docklands. They might have kicked 10-7 themselves, but I reckon every St Kilda fan in Australia will be saying, okay, if that's the way it's going to be, if that's what it takes to win games, I don't care. I just want to get into the eight. It is a good start for the Saints. It is. And, and if you look at that uh, side on paper, David, as I am at the moment, you notice that one of the better key forwards in the game is still not playing. Max King, um, if he can straighten his kicking boots, he'll be on file. But uh, Max King did not play in that round one win. So there's, um, there's some positives for St Kilda there, as you said. And if you look at that team as well on paper, you, you wonder where your goals had come from. I know Mason Wood kicked a couple and they had some, and they had people. Um, Chipping with a few goals, Dan Butler. We saw how good he was a couple of seasons ago when he crossed from Richmond. But once you get Max King in there, that frees the small forwards up. Uh, Wood can get out in the wing and push high and push deep into the forward 50. Um, Rowan Marshall can rest forward and kick goals. And I just spoke about Dan Butler. So there's plenty of options there, particularly when King comes back and they can unlock their small forwards. 
absolutely couldn't put it put it myself to be quite honest a perfect uh, wrap up there from Louis now the best three games of round two are quite possibly the, the first three games sequentially so here is the draw tonight in a little short period of time what a game of football this is at the Melbourne Cricket Ground it's Carlton against Geelong and one of those two teams will be winless from two games which is extraordinary Friday night football at the Wollongabba Brisbane against Melbourne that's a huge game particularly for the Lions and then Saturday, what a game this is at the MCG, Collingwood and Port. All of a sudden, these it, that's almost the game of the round. Then Adelaide host Richmond at the Adelaide Oval in the Twilight game. Then the Saturday night games, Western Bulldogs and St Kilda at Docklands. It's a home game for the Western Bulldogs. The St Kilda starting off Docklands, Docklands. From Mandelville host North Melbourne at Optus. Then, and there's two games at Optus this weekend after none last weekend. And, of course, the Sheffield Shield Grand Finals on the Wacker as well. That started today with Victoria in quite a bit of trouble um, when I last checked the scores. Then early game Sunday, and it won't be hot for once, SCG, Sydney and Hawthorne. The afternoon game on Channel 7 is Essendon and the Gold Coast at Docklands. And the afternoon, the evening game. In fact, this is an absolute evening game, although it's 20 past three West Australian time, is the West Coast Eagles against the Giants. Um, interestingly, no games at the MCG um, from Saturday afternoon onwards, giving the ground a bit of a rest. Okay, here we go. Louis, Carlton and Geelong, what, who you got here? And noting that uh, Stuart's out, who you got, Carlton and Geelong tonight? Yeah, I think I'm still going to go with Geelong, um, David, but I think, again, Carlton with their key forwards and Kerno and Mackay could cause Geelong some issues with Stuart going down, but I just think they've got too much polish. Um, for them to go wrong, Jack Bowes will make his debut for Geelong this evening with uh, with that trade with that salary dump from Gold Coast last year. So Bowes will debut uh, for the Cats. I just think that I've got too much polish around the ground, and I think that they sort of let themselves down in the back half of that game against Collingwood last week, David. It's the first time since 2021 that any side has kicked eight goals consecutively against Geelong as Collingwood did last week. So. Uh, that their uh, defence will tighten up, that's for sure. And I just think they've got the running power over the ground to uh, be too good for Carlton. Geelong by 18 for me. Brisbane and Melbourne at the Wollongabba. This is at 5 to 8. Now, that's Eastern Daylight Time. The game starts, for those of you in Queensland, at 6.55 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Brisbane and Melbourne. I cannot pick Brisbane. I, as I've said, I've actually tipped Melbourne for the flag. I think Melbourne will clean them up. I think Melbourne will win by 20. I think they're that good. And Brody Grundy, if he's not the best recruit of the season, I'll go ahead. If he doesn't stay, if he stays uninjured, oh my goodness me, what a pickup he is. Yeah, uh, likewise. Sort of a-, a salary dump move there from Collingwood. But yeah, Brisbane will improve. We see it in, in sports all around the world. When teams get uh, dusted up, much like they did last week, they'll improve. They'll come back to the pack. Much like Melbourne, they beat the Western Bulldogs by what, almost 10 goals. I think it was 50 points in the end. So, again, they may come back to the pack a little bit. But I think Melbourne, they, they have they could potentially have, what, four premiership players walk back in. Viney, Salem are two of them off the top of my head. So, if you get some people like that back into your side, watch out. Melbourne, for me, by about four goals. Again, we, we agree there. This next game is absolutely fascinating. And I'm kind of interested that it's the 145 game. I would have thought that this could be the Saturday night game. However, it's not. Um, it's not even on Channel 7. This one's on on uh, cable only, which is fascinating. Uh, well, probably will be in that in South Australia. Collingwood and Port Adelaide at the MCG. 
Um, I might surprise Lucas here. I'm actually tipping Collingwood. I'll tell you why. Port Adelaide had a big win last week. They don't play at the MCG very well. Collingwood do. Um, I thought Collingwood were terrific last week. Yes, they've lost Howe, and he affects their structures. However, I don't think Port Adelaide are good travellers. And if Port Adelaide, Adelaide want to finish in the final four, which would be their target, they have to beat Collingwood on Saturday. I don't think they will. I think Collingwood will win by 12 points. I've just got, I think Collingwood's got an excellent structure. I think they've got a very, very good side. I think Tom Mitchell adds to them, although he had a moderate day last week. He still picked up 21. I think he's a big pickup. And for mine, Collingwood by two goals because two reasons. I don't think Port Adelaide play well at the MCG. And I think Collingwood are in, still playing good football. In principle, I agree with you. And just one quick thing on Tom Mitchell. Yes, he only had what? Five teams are all. No, uh, 22. 22 passes, but he's kicked two goals. And that's been the one criticism on Tom Mitchell the last couple of years. He doesn't impact the scoreboard. So if you take eight or nine possessions, we add two goals. I think that's exactly what Collingwood's looking for. And you may sort of think I'm fence sitting here, David, but I'll tell you why. I think with Howe being out, if Jeremy Finlayson plays, I think Port Adelaide win because I don't think Frank, I don't think Frampton's good enough to be a one or maybe two key defender in the game at the moment. Yes, they maybe need to get his, some um, games into his legs. And two, and two, if Travis Boat comes in, he didn't play round one. If Boat comes in, that'll add an extra dimension to Port Adelaide's midfield with, um, with Ollie Wines and you roll your butters and Rosie through there as well. Lucas, you're the expert here. The reason that this show is about listening to you talk football and me hosting on my podcast channel and... I expect you to have a the one of the reasons that people love listening to you is that you do provide a fair analysis. Everybody knows you support Collingwood. Everybody knows I support the Giants. But it is our job if we're going to do this, especially with you now being a, in, in working as a journalist. You've got to look at these things analytically, um, and that's our job. And you know, uh, I will ask for a tip though. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll go Collingwood by fourteen points, but I still think yeah, if Finlayson plays, it could swing the other way. Adelaide will be smarting after being beaten by the Giants. The team they don't... Uh, Richmond weren't great last week, let's face it. But I think Richmond will beat them. Although this is at the Adelaide Oval, betting lines certainly say that. I think Richmond will win by 20 points. I am not impressed with Adelaide. I think they've got a lot to go. And in fact, I think their fans will be just about impatient with them to get better. But for me, I think I think Richmond's too good, especially with them starting to mesh as a football side. Richmond by 20 for me. Yeah, I think Richmond will be too good as well, David. But just... I think it, it'll take a little bit more time for Richmond to really ramp it up. Yes, they're a quality side, but what they've done in the off-season, you add in Tim Taranto, you add in Jacob Hopper. Oh, yes, Martin me. comes back from injury, but I think it'll just take time for them to build combinations and things like that. So I don't think they'll, they'll hit the ground running, as it were. I think it'll take maybe six, seven weeks before we really see um, what we could have in Richmond by the end of the year. But I'm agreeing with you there, Richmond, and, and as I said to you there, I think they could ultimately end up in the preliminary final. Um, come, come August, early September. I've actually tipped them to make the GF. I, I've, I've tipped, and I'm on record, Melbourne and Richmond will be my grand finals. Western Bulldogs and Kilda, he's two very different sides. Western Bulldogs loving to run and gun, particularly at Docklands. This is a game, game of co-tenants. St Kilda there as well will try and shut them down. Um, Lucas was talking about Tim English being perhaps slightly exposed. Um, I'm actually going, I thought the Bulldogs were not good last week. St Kilda were solid, I suppose, is the way of saying it. And that's a good win. I'm tipping St Kilda to be 2-0. I think they'll shut them down. Okay. 
uh, our first disagreement of the, of the evening comes now. I just think the Western Bulldogs around the ground might have a little bit too much class. I think Caleb Daniel will be instrumental off halfback for the Dogs, particularly with King not being there. Yes, you've got the Zane Cordy, um, who's crossed now. Um, St Kilda, who will try and bring the ball down in the forward half. So too will Rowan Marshall when he's not rucking. But I just think the Western Bulldogs will have too much speed out of their back half. And we also saw Sam Darcy um, last week play a variety of roles. He started forward and then moved back when uh, Liam Jones was suddenly out of the game. So I just think the Bulldogs have a little bit too much polish and a bit, a little bit too much experience for me. So the Bulldogs by three goals for me. And secured her by 16 points. So there's our first disagreement of the night. Um, it's from Anna by how far against North Melbourne at Optus. I think North Melbourne will probably put up a decent performance, but Optus is huge. Uh, Nate, Nate Fife will be a little bit more used to his new role. Uh, Freo, I've got the cobwebs out. They were not good against St Kilda. They have to be good this weekend. Um, it's one of those, this is one of the games that they absolutely must be putting away. And in fact, I think they'll probably target percentage. Um, I think from Anna by 36 to 42. Yeah, I think it'll be a multiple goal win in there um, for St Kilda. And the one thing we didn't touch on before with North Melbourne, there are actually two things, but the one thing that comes to mind immediately is that Todd Goldstein didn't play AFL football in round one. They helped it with Trish and Je- uh, Jerry in the ruck um, for North Melbourne. So um, under Alistair Clarkson, Todd Goldstein, who's who's been the second or third best ruckman in the last decade or decade and a half for me in the AFL, uh, was a no-show. And of course, uh, Harry uh, Sheasel um, gained the Rising Star nomination in round one. 34 disposals on, on debut, David, yes. Who is the, who is the person that had a crack about members of the Melbourne Jewish community having an Israeli flag there to support Harry Sheasel. That is unbelievable. The AFL actually had to give a statement saying that flags of a country are perfectly allowed at AFL games, which, as you would well know, they are. But yeah. there was criticism of there being Israeli flags. I just think that's a disgrace. Am I pro-Israeli? Not necessarily. I've known a lot of... Jewish people, particularly at work, and people of Israeli heritage, they're great people. But I would have thought that's wonderful support for the young guy, and he's had a great game. I just, some people, are, I just don't understand, Lucas. I just think, and great to the AFL, they did, they came out the strong and said national flags are very much welcome at AFL games, as they bloody well should be. Yeah, it's a lack of depth there in the argument on the uh, negative side of it. But back to Sheasel very quickly, David, before we move on. Yes, round one, Rising Star nominee. 34 disposals, which is the most from a debutant in 39 years. Uh, the last person being Greg Williams. Uh, he had 38 in 1984. So there's a bit of history for you, much like you and I like to go back that far. Indeed. And Sheasel did pick a couple of guys. Oh, we'll finish off with that ESPN predictor. Um, Sydney will beat Hawthorne at the SCG. Hawthorne, are gonna, Hawthorne could very well finish in the bottom two or three this year. Sydney will belt them despite Lance Franklin not playing. Very confident for the Jimmy Newbern and the Swans fans. Got no problems there. Yeah, no issue at all. Franklin not playing a game against his old club again, although that was a number of years ago now. But, yeah, Sydney too strong, too posh. And as you and I spoke on multiple occasions last year, David, without Franklin, we actually thought Sydney being a lot more predictable, uh, sorry, unpredictable correction uh, could ultimately be uh, better for them in the long term. And we'll see how that goes in the second round this year. Um, but... <laughs> The Gold Coast are going to be one of those sides this year that are going to be very hard to pick. Uh, Essendon were overwhelmingly good against an ordinary Hawthorne side. I think Essendon will win again quite comfortably at Docklands. To be quite frank with you, Lucas, I think they'll win by 36 to 42 again. 
Yeah, um, I don't think again. And I know the teams have dropped here, so I'll just uh, quickly scan those. Ben King is playing for the Gold Coast, so we'll see how he uh, takes some ring rust off in the, in the first couple of weeks. But Essendon again, uh, of course, Peter Wright went down just before the season had started, only a few days after. Unfortunately for him, he signed a contract extension for them. Uh, last year's Crichton medalist for Essendon too. So uh, big news there for Essendon and Peter Wright. We saw um, some some great running on the outside. Darcy Parish, Parish was solid. Sam Draper could spend some more time forward of the football now with Wright, being, with Wright not being there. But uh, Archie Perkins kicked three goals. We saw Corwell again in the middle. So plenty of polish there for um, Essendon. And they'll be way too good for the Gold Coast. And the West Coast and GWS is an intriguing game to finish the end of, uh, end of the round. West Coast back at home, they were average against North Melbourne. They're not a great football side. My concern for the Giants is this, Lucas. They've coming off an extraordinarily tough game the week before, and they've got a fly across the nullable. I'm just a bit worried that they're going to they'll get knocked up at a very large uh, Optus Stadium. Let me go and see and check the Perth forecast for Sunday while we're talking. Your thoughts, and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying it as it is. So Sunday in Perth, not too bad. 14 to 26. So it'll probably be 25 or 26 at game time, which given Perth at this time of year, that's actually not too bad. It's definitely a factor, David. And just before we go ahead, uh, the reason most likely there were no games in in Perth last weekend that uh, Ed Sheeran played at Optus Stadium on Sunday, March 12. So that's probably you literally a little bit of the reasoning behind there was no football last week. But I agree with you there. I haven't seen the up-to-date with uh, the Giants' injuries, and we'll see that in the next little while um, because they ended with one person on the bench. So we'll see uh, what what squad they fly over with. But it's definitely a reason why they may be uh, n- not as up to it as they were last week, David. The, uh, the big flight there, um, the injuries and things like that. So I think it may be a little bit of a closer game than people think, but I still... Um, still, for me, I think the Giants will be a little bit too good, and I think it'll be a lower margin, though. Maybe a lower scoring, grinding game, um, like we've seen the last couple, like we saw a couple of last week. So the Giants for me, but I think it only might be two or three goals in it. Giants by twelve points for me. Now the ESPN unofficial Brownlow medal predictor, uh, three votes last weekend: Daniel Rioli, Richmond; Jordan Ngoi, Collingwood. We were speaking about that before. Luke Davies, Uniac from North Melbourne; Kaiser Pickett from Melbourne; Chad Warner, Sydney, and. Don't, well, don't worry, he's a smoky for the Brownlow, Chad Warner, Darcy Parrish from Essendon, and the two and a half, as we discussed before, Jason Horn Francis and the twosome of Stephen Canelio and Toby Green from GWS. And I might add that Harry Sheasel from North Melbourne in his first game of football picked up a two vote, all three votes in that North Melbourne game, North Melbourne West Coast game, Luke Davies, Uniaki, Harry Sheasel, then Nick Larkey. So again, the top five or six, Rioli from Richmond, Dugowie, Collingwood, Davies, Uniaki, North Melbourne, Pickett from Melbourne, Warner from Sydney and Parrish from Essendon. They are the leaders on the ESPN Brownlow Medal leaderboard, Lucas. Louis, um, that's an excellent podcast. Thank you so much. Anything else that you wanted to discuss to, to, before we uh, bid our fans adieu? Uh, no, I, th- I think that's about it. From me, David, but just a quick bow on that. Davies Uniaki last week, um, 32 disposals of goal, five tackles and 10 clearances. And of course, Lahi kicked the six goals there. So uh, big work there, big uh Davies Uniac's been one of those uh, picks from the draft the last couple of years. It's really come on leaps and bounds in a side that hasn't got that much top-end talent around him, and particularly two uh, very quickly, and we won't go into it in depth, of course. Taron Thomas spending more time away from the AFL program, so we won't see him in the next little while.
yeah um we have to be as we discussed before with that one um I'm not even going to go any further with that one but yes Taryn Thomas not training with the club uh there's more to be heard with that one you'll see it all in the press but I certainly won't be making any comments whatsoever uh, on that one uh, other than it's a significant concern and not to be uh, hopefully people take it for the series with the seriousness that it deserves Lucas is about to go and enjoy some football now, and I'm sure I've got a couple other podcasts for cricket coming tonight. Lucas, thank you so much for your time. Great to see you, my friend. Um, look after yourself. Have a great weekend watching football and uh, enjoying other sports. Is it cricket grand final this weekend or is it done and dusted? Uh, last weekend, David. It's the uh, end of the cricket season down here. So we've got tennis and then that's the end of the summer sporting season, the end of football in a couple of weeks' time, as I said before. So looking uh, very much forward to that. On behalf of Lucas Holmes, this is David Redden. Louis, good night. Have a great night. Look after yourself. Enjoy your footballs. Catch up with you next week, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Bye, everyone. See you next week.